Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Alrighty, James. Uh, we are into February. We're getting closer and closer and closer to the March 8 trade deadline. You excited? Yeah, it's one month from today. Is it really? Wow. Yeah, well, was- today's the 8th and the trade deadline is on the 8th. Oh, wow. Symmetry. Perfect. And today's the NBA trade deadline and the Raptors just acquired uh, my favorite another, player. Another Canadian, a BC boy. A Kamloops. I would not be surprised and you... Anybody listening to this may know, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded again. But Aww. anyway, I hope he plays. I want to. I gotta go get a jersey if he plays for the Raptors. Well, apparently they just want all the Canadian players in the NBA except for the best one. But anyway, they can't get the best <laughs> one. Uh, so we will get into the trade deadline today. Uh, there's lots to talk about on that front. Um, we'll talk about the issues with secondary scoring for this team. We'll answer a bunch of questions. Uh, I think we should start with the last couple games, just since the Leafs have come out of the All-Star break. Uh, they lose in regulation to the Islanders, and then they beat Dallas. Um, what did you take away from those couple games and, and kind of where the team is at now post-All-Star? I thought uh, those two games are probably a good encapsulation of their season, aren't they? Like There are periods where they're... Yeah super frustrating to watch and don't play well and then there are periods where the stars make amazing plays like the game against dallas the first period they were god awful it was it was another one of those games where they were just terrible and it's like oh boy here we go again and then the stars i thought they were really good in the second half of that game it's almost like watching two teams some nights right and it's like you know they've they've we've talked about this so much on the show. They've had this fall off from last year, and why is it happening? And they look like that. And it's I mean, even before we were coming on to record, our producer was saying like, you know, basically I don't believe in this this team, and like I think they should sell. And there's so much negativity around this team and the fan base right now. And then, and then they play like that for half a game against a good Dallas team, and they look great. But we've we it's just been so fleeting this this year to see those moments when they look like that. Well, it's a reminder, and I'm reminded of this a lot, or, or was in the last week, just like looking at some of the rosters of other teams, looking at who scores, who doesn't score. It is such a big luxury that they've had that you kind of start to take for granted that they have like four and, and especially three right now players who are just like absolute game breakers. Like that's, you you look team to team and it's like, it's hard for a lot of teams to score. And they just have like these four guys who can turn a game just like that. And obviously three of those are on the power play, but it's just a reminder of like what that star power is and why, you know, year over year over year, despite some of the playoff failures, why they, they continue to bring them back because like that's, it's, it's hard to find like Neil under can just get you two goals and you can just win a game. You know, Marner isn't thought of obviously as a scorer first, but he can just make plays and and score and create for others. And like even Tavares is obviously going through a really, tough spell but like that play he makes to set up neander like that's a that's a superstar kind of play you know what i mean i got a stat for you i mean guess where since matthews and marner entered the league 2016-17 guess where the leafs rank in goals per game it's if it's not first it's second they're they're second by 0.01 the only yeah. team ahead of them is is tampa and they you know they went to the final three times and yeah. like o- offensively the leafs have been basically as good as anybody over that stretch and a huge reason is the talent at the top end of the lineup and you know when those guys are firing they're hard to beat but you know the the problem this year i mean there's been a lot of problems this year but 
you know, there, there have been times where it just hasn't been enough. They haven't had enough. I mean, you did the, you were had a piece the other day about the secondary scoring and how top heavy the Leafs are. And they're basically this year, they've been the most top heavy team in the league in terms of how many goals are getting from their top four players. And they've come back down. Like they're not, they're still a very high scoring team. They're still very dangerous, but the power play hasn't been quite as good this year. Obviously mm-hmm. it was good against Dallas and basically that was a huge part of them winning that game. Uh, power plays up to 26.6% this year, which is tied for fourth. Um, but yeah, that's, this is, it, they're a flawed team that can outscore their flaws at times. When the stars are just like unbelievable, which you, you watch were, the highlights, yeah. like you watch the highlights of that game and it's like, look at those goals. Like, look at the plays that they're making. Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, having that talent is the envy of a lot of other teams. And there aren't very many teams that have that many game breakers. Um, but on the flip side, and again, like I said, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, same, it's like groundhog day, right? It's the same thing. It's the Leafs have a lot of game breakers, but they're also paying to those game breakers. Like they, they, they need those yeah. players to carry the mail for them because that's what they're paying them for. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is like you mentioned, like it's kind of an encapsulation of the season. That Islander game is is kind of a perfect representation of that, where as Keith points out after the game, like they do everything they can to win the game, and then they also do everything they can to lose the game. Like that just it it kind of is the is the kind of game we've seen a lot where it's like you at least should get that to overtime where at least you can get a point and like but then they it just kind of melts away and we just kind of see that from time to time and that's kind of who they are like i thought that comment from keith after practice on i guess it was tuesday where he said like 50% of the time they're they're a really good team and 50% by implication they're not and that's like i don't i don't know that they i mean i think what's interesting about that is like do you think that they haven't played to their potential or do you just think like this is like to me this is more like this is just what their talent is like they have some really really good players at the top and then obviously after that it's like it's kind of a crapshoot and they have a lot of guys really struggling especially offensively right now who are not a lot of them are not like particularly great defensive players you know what i mean so like you put those two things to get together and it's like well maybe this is just what this team is like for the talent that it has i don't know yeah i mean i, I remember yeah, like who who has more to give? I mean, obviously Bertuzzi has more offense to give, and he's incredibly snake bitten right now. It's crazy some of the chances he's getting and not converting. It's like, oh my god, he's shooting six percent. So I get that everyone's frustrated with him, and I'm sure he's. <laughs> it feels like this is going to be just like this weird one off season for him. Where yeah, but from- I don't know that that's true. Look at last year. Like this is that's what concerns me. If I'm there's some decline there. Yeah, like this is two years in a row where he's not getting as many shots. He's not converting on as many shots. And James, like I went back and watched some of his goals from when he scored 30. He looks like a totally different player. Like yeah. it's like, and you re- and you think back to like what he was in Detroit and you're like, oh yeah, like man, that guy was, that guy was impact and like he made a lot of plays and like you, I know he's had chances, but he, he doesn't generate the kind of chances that he was scoring on in that season. So like, I wonder, like he's, I think he's 29. He's had a lot of injuries. He's missed a lot, a lot of injuries. Of yeah. So that's one of the things. Like I just, I just, you mentioned like who he's he's twenty eight. He's twenty nine in a couple, in a couple weeks. weeks. Yeah. So it's just like, does he have more to give? Probably, but how much more? Like I don't know. Also, my point was like, who else in the lineup has more to give than they've? I mean, Brody's had a tough season, but that just at this point might be what he is. Unfortunately right. for the Leafs. Uh, maybe Lilligren has more to give. We've seen, I don't know. Like you look down the lineup and it's this, I, I think where they are in the standings is pretty much what they are. Right. Like you have Matthew scoring, what does he have? 41 and 48 or 49? If he's only played 48. Yeah. And the right. Leafs have played 49. Neilander's got 25 goals, top 10 in scoring. Like Marner has come on a bunch the last month. The Leafs are 11th in the league right now. I think that's what they are. I mean, I, I don't I don't think their record's misleading or anything. I don't think they've been unlucky. It was unlucky that Samsonov had the start to the season that he did, but also look at how Jones and Wall played. Like they got good goaltending elsewhere. So it's not like goaltending has been the story. 
Yeah, it's very true. I mean, to update kind of some of the depth secondary scoring issues, honestly, the numbers are now getting like pretty crazy. So Bertuzzi has gone 16 straight without a goal. He has one in his last 29. Uh, Domi has uh, one in his last 19, four and 49 this season. Nyes has gone 17 straight without scoring. Gregor has gone 20 straight without scoring. Camp is hurt right now. He's gone 20 straight without scoring. McMahon is one in 18. Yarncroft had gone nine in, or nine in a row before he got hurt. Like even Tavares now, it's 24 consecutive games without a five on five goal. He's starting to get going on the power play and, and looking spry again, which is obviously positive for them. But like, that's like a huge chunk of the lineup that just doesn't score at all. So like if those guys, like you mentioned, the stars, like looking like stars, if they don't have those kind of nights, like it's harder. It's just really hard for them to win. But I guess like to your point, like that's how they're built. Yeah. Last 20 games, they are 10 wins, eight losses and two overtime losses. So pretty mediocre and they're 12th in scoring and they're giving up a lot, a lot of goals against. So that's a good, that's a good sample size. I mean, they've come down to, they're pretty close to average over the last 20 games in, in offense produced. And part of it is the power play has been as say, say for the breakout against Dallas has been, I would say just okay. Yeah. I mean, so, so let's, we can talk about, um, we can get into some date deadline stuff now. Like I wrote today, um, we're recording this on Thursday that I think they have to, be aggressive in terms of upgrading this roster, but there is like this idea around Toronto and you hear it a lot. It's like this team isn't, this isn't, it's not going to happen. There's nothing you can do to this team to make it worthwhile. And I just, I just fundamentally disagree with that. Like, I think, I mean, well, we the reason they might be right. I mean, it, they might, this team might not be savable, but I think you got to try like, yeah, I just think that there's too many examples in NHL history of, I mean, the, the Panthers barely made the playoffs last year and they went to the final and they looked like a juggernaut. Like I, I think the history is part of why people don't believe in this team and the history with the top players and it, just so many disappointments. And this season's been disappointing and frustrating. There have been a frustrating team to watch, but I think you got to bet on one of the three goalies performing in the playoffs. Maybe the defense looking better once you add a piece or two. And your stars delivering in the playoffs in a way that they haven't. And I know that maybe that feels like a pipe dream, but I don't know what the alternative is. Like it, it makes no sense to start tearing this apart right now. It just it just doesn't make sense. Like would there, if they were further back in the standings, maybe you could argue that okay, you reload for next year. But I just I mean, they're gonna make the playoffs. Like what are their playoff chances? Like they're they're ninety six percent or something, like they're they're right there. So to punt on the year doesn't make sense. I, I can see the argument for not trading the first round pick just because they have so little in the in the cupboard. But I think you got to try and do something with what else you got. But my counter to that is like that first round pick is so far from being helpful. Well, and how, yeah, like how many 20th, 20th overall picks make an impact in the NHL? Yeah, that's also a good question. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think that like that, that pick is probably not going to make an impact in the NHL for four or five years, if Would, at all. Which is like the life of Matthew's contract, right? Like, so you could you could hold on to that, and it's like that player might not be here while Matthew's contract, current contract, is is going on. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I get it. You, you, there's an idea. Like, you, you keep doing this, you keep doing this, but like, what are you supposed to do? You're a, you're trying to win a cup. Like, that's what you do. You trade the pick, and like, you figure the other the futures and stuff out later. Like, what else do they have to trade? Like, I think we should explore this a little bit. Uh, this idea that they don't want to trade Minton, don't want to trade Cowan. And I, I, I sort of get it, but it's like, really? Like, like why? Like, are these like super duper duper prospects? I, like, I don't, I, I wouldn't be so firm in that if I were them. What about you? Well, I think if you're trading pieces and you're getting someone that has some term that's going to help you over yeah. multiple seasons, then it's a lot more defensible, you know? So that's, that's what they need to weigh. I, I think finding another player like McCabe on the blue line that they can have for this hall has to be about the next like three seasons this year in the next two or three seasons. When you have Matthews, when you have a guy that can score 70 goals, you continue to try and build around him and win. Yes. It makes no sense to try and rebuild when you have like 
Matthews is just going to say, I'm out of here. Well, he's 27. Like this is the time, right? Like 27, 28, 29, 30. Like that's, you just signed Neilander to a, obviously a big extension and he's at a year older than Matthews. Like this is, this is it. Like this team is, is as you pointed out multiple times to me, this is not a young team. Like this is Matthews not is 20, 26, just to. Right. He'll, but he'll be 27 yeah. in September. Mitch Marner yes. will turn 27 in, in yes. May. This is their prime. Like they're not going to get better than this. Yeah. I, I just, what do you like? I, I get it. Like Minton might be on the team, for example, next year, right? Like he might be their, I don't know, fourth line well, center next have year. Have you been looking like Scott Wheeler's been ranking the prospect pools of every team They're in around the NHL. The, and the Leafs are 28th. But you know who else is at the bottom? It's like all the good Boston. teams. Yes. Boston, Tampa. Boston's 30th. Tampa's 29th. Pittsburgh's 27th. Colorado's 26th. Edmonton's 25th. Florida's 24th. Vegas today is the one that came out 23rd. They're all the teams that have been trying to win because that's you. You're either one of the teams where you don't want to be is in the middle and the Leafs are getting close to the middle, but you don't want to be in the middle and not know which way you're going. You don't want to be Calgary. You don't want to be Minnesota, but for Toronto, it should be pretty clear what you're trying to do. Even, even with how frustrating they've looked. Yeah. Like your time to win is now like, and as you point out, like it's not like the league is so like there's, do you look at anybody above them in the standings and be like, they can't beat that team. Like there's no chance. Like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I, I don't, I, I kind of think, do you think the league is more wide open this year than it is in previous years? Or is that just like a recency? We look around the league. No, yeah. I think, I think it's more wide open this year than maybe ever. I mean, maybe if you go back right to when the cap first came in and they made that first year under the cap, they put the cap at 39 million and all these teams had to like that. That was when the, what the teams, the Leafs had fell apart, right? Because they had to get to under the salary cap and they weren't equipped to do it. And that brought in the dark ages of <laughs> when you and I started covering the team. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so James, these are the top 10 teams in the league. So I think the Leafs are 11th, as you point out. Uh, Vancouver, Boston, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, Florida, New York, Vegas, Edmonton, Carolina, Toronto. Yeah, so like I could definitely see, I mean, I could definitely see a team like Carolina winning the cup this year, and they're basically tied with the Leafs right now, and they've had a lot of goaltending problems, and that's hurt them. But I mean, like Vancouver and Winnipeg were not; no one would have predicted they were contenders this year. Most people picked them to miss the playoffs. Yes, well, and and like they've been, they've ridden like unbelievable goaltending, which I think is probably sustainable the rest of the year and like also red hot shooting which might come back down to earth and like you can look at their team and you can pick their part their team apart if you want to like i think that's one of the things like we look at the leafs obviously so closely that we think other teams don't have issues like just because we're just not focusing on them enough or as much you know what i mean like over a ton i mean that's the team that i watch the second most and pick up on the late game and you know like their their roster is not without holes. I mean, they've got Pia Suter on the first line right now. Mikheyev's on the second line. You know, Mikheyev wasn't on the second line in Toronto for a lot of the time. Their third line, Joshua, Bluger, Garland. Fourth line, Hoaglander, Amon, Lafferty. You know, their their decor has always been a problem for them. They really... They, I, I, you got to credit the front office there with what they've done. I mean, they, they made over that decor and made it a lot more than it was in the past, but that it's not like they're filled with world beaters on the back end. Tyler Myers is on their second pair. Ian Cole's on their second pair. Yeah, but even yeah. like so so that's a good example. Like the even little things that they did that the Leafs didn't do. Like I Ian Cole was one of the guys that I thought the Leafs like should consider. I think he got a one year contract for three million. Like he's not amazing, but he's a pretty good like defender. Like he could play he could He's be played on really league. well for them, right? And so, so that's one guy. And then, like, obviously, Arson Susie they brought in, who's been good for them, right? Another free agent signing, like, so you three depth that- forwards they bring in Suter, uh, Bluger, and Lafferty, and it made a big difference because one of the biggest problems for the Canucks in recent years was defensive depth beyond Quinn Hughes and forward depth beyond their big guys, and right. they really. And now you watch like Lindholm goes in there; they're playing him on the wing. They're playing him on the top. I believe he was on the top power play unit there. He looks fantastic. Like all of a sudden their team is like, they went from, well, I mean, what did they finish last year? 20th. And now all of a sudden they're a contender. 
Like the 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 line between the two is not it's not as firm as it used to be. Well, I guess my point was let's say the Leafs instead of signing Klingberg, they just sign Ian Cole and instead of just giving away Sam Lafferty, they just keep Sam Lafferty. Like just those two things. Yeah. You're better. Like you're not monstrably better, but you're better and like you you keep doing all those little things that kind of add up and don't work and like I guess to, to bring it back to Bertuzzi, like I don't fault the front office for that one. Like I thought it made sense. Like it looked like a good bet on a guy, one year contract, had a really good playoff with Boston, albeit like power play fueled. Well, it seemed like what he need what they needed too, right? Like it was like kind of like someone with some grit and well, especially if you're gonna let go Michael Bunting, like he kind of felt like the perfect Michael Bunting replacement, but like in no way has it worked. Like not only does he not well, does he not score, like he he doesn't draw penalties like Bunting used to. He his line's been good defensively, is the way that it's worked. Like you know, all all the like underlying numbers for Bertuzzi are pretty good. Like he's not he's not a defensive black hole that's hurting you. They're not getting greatly outscored when he's on the ice. Yeah, but fair. five and a half million, you you want more than just that. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think it's interesting. I also think it, James, like if you look at like what they could do like you mentioned if you you bring in a defenseman like where do you stand right now on on Tanev and the price of a first round pick like and where do you stand on extending him if you're to trade for him like what do you think of that whole situation well it, it's really going to depend on what's the cost to acquire him and i know that part of the stalemate is the leafs don't want to give up a first round pick for him but you look at you know Lindholm and Monahan two of the top names on the trade board go off and the price for both those players was pretty high. It seems like the asking price for everybody is going to be high. I mean, it's part of what the, the stalemate around the league is that the buyers don't want to pay what the sellers are asking for, but there's not a lot available. Like the, Have you seen a worse trade board than the one, like the last one that Chris Johnston did for us a couple of weeks ago? It's like, you look at the names and it's like, oh boy. Um, yeah. There's not a lot there. Like the Leafs. Well, it's Leafs like, James, looking- like, imagine I told you before the season that Sean Monaghan would get you a first round pick. Like you would have been like, there's no way. Like he was like a fourth line center, like a year or two ago. Calgary had to trade a first round pick to get rid of his contract. Yes. Right. And good for him for, you know, regaining some of what he used to be and, and, and getting back to that this year. But, you know, some of that's opportunity on a weaker team and I mean, we'll see how it works out. But the, the point is there's not a lot available. I think we have a new trade board going up soon. And I and I've seen you. You know better than me. I should know when stuff's being published. I talked to um, CJ. You know, and and I, and Chris is like, well, like if some of these teams fall out, then maybe there'll be maybe Seattle will put some names in the mix, or maybe Pittsburgh or Washington or some of these teams will introduce more players and it'll make get more interesting. But right now, it's it's tough. And I know the Leafs are looking for help on defense, and they're also looking for a center now. And you look at the centers available. There's not a lot there. No. So yeah, I I'm not against giving up. I don't think I would trade the first round pick for Tanev. I think I would trade the first round pick if there's a defenseman. The and and as in terms of extending him, if he's willing to come for a re- really reasonable number, then yeah. But at his age, he could fall off at any time. He's a guy that's had a lot of injuries. I don't want to give him three years at four million or something like that. There's just there's no way. Yeah, that would really scare me. Like, I get the appeal, but I, I kind of, to your point, like, I, if I were in that front office, I would be thinking, like, is there a way to use this first round pick to get someone younger who either is signed or or we can sign? You know, try to think maybe a little bit differently about this as opposed to just like we just need to patch this up right now because, like, you look ahead to next year. It's not like they they have a lot of answers on their defense next year like it's riley it's mccabe and then it's like are you sticking with Lilgren? like he needs a new contract like what is your what is your plan like that's why i i I wonder i don't know like I, i wonder if there's a way to think bigger think differently to your point like maybe some of these teams that are are kind of on the bubble decide to sell I don't know. Like, I don't know if I, I wonder, like I was thinking a lot, I was watching Calgary last week and I was thinking like, maybe, maybe Tanev is not the guy they should be targeting on, on Calgary. And I think I'm going to write about this at some point. Um, but well, like, I mean, the thing with Hannafin though, is like, 
you would want to trade for him with the idea that you're going to extend. A hundred percent. So his what he wants on an extension is a lot, at least seven million. Yep. So that that has to be part of, and and that's even if he wants to come to Toronto and sign in Toronto, which I I don't know. But I'm get, like if I'm them, I'm thinking like I'm going to have to pay someone in free agency this summer. It might be him. And if you look at the guys available, it's like how many of these other guys do I want to pay a lot? Like there's some pretty good defensemen, like Brady Shea, I think is available. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the guys off the top of my head. Alec Martinez, who's who's kind of older. Like, like who do I want to pay? Like, y- you got to find someone. You got to fix this somehow. Like, Brody's contract is coming off the books. Hannafin's the youngest, I think, of that bunch. Like, do you want to pay Gustav Forsling? Do you want to pay Brandon Montour? You know what I mean? Like, so if I'm going well, to trade... Be cheaper. They're going to they're going to be. The question is like do you do you believe Hannafin is a top pair D? No. Because I think he's well, a top that money is Yeah, but at, if he's getting more than 7 million long term, you want him to be a, a top pair guy. And he's also a left shot, so he's not going to play with Riley, so it's almost like you're looking at creating two pairings. Yeah. He's not right. Hannafin's not really a shutdown guy necessarily. But I no. like it better if you, if you're giving up the first round pick and and everything, I think it makes more sense than than committing to Tanev. Like you'd probably rather Hannafin at seven than Tanev right. at four. Yes, that's kind of where my mind is at. Like, I mean, so Montour is thirty, Forsling is twenty eight. I mean, you could sign Dylan Demello as another guy who's available. He's thirty one. Like those kinds of defensemen tend to get overpaid. I don't know. Like I I think they need to kind of maybe think bigger than. Tanev, as much as like he fits right now. What I've heard, Jonas, is they they're looking at like literally like every defenseman yeah. in the league and talking to everyone. Like that, the tree living's been super super aggressive. It well, sounds like I, they're they're turning over every single rock that there is to turn. Yeah, as they should be. I mean, like I've done it myself, and obviously they are a huge staff. They can kind of they know who's available, who's not. But let me ask you, like part of this this whole thing that that probably doesn't get brought up enough. Part of the reason like they need defensemen, not just one, maybe two, is the Lilligren thing hasn't really happened still. Like uh, where do you think that's going? Like, do you I don't know, like are you starting to feel a little antsy about his future here? Yeah, because it's become pretty clear that the coaching staff doesn't necessarily believe in him. And I don't get the sense that management necessarily believes in him and when i say believe in him i don't know that they believe that he's a top four guy yeah and i know that me saying that is gonna you know some people will get upset and i know his like analytics and all that are are look really really good in the sheltered role that he's in but i don't know how you could i don't know how you could interpret it any other way i mean sheldon keeps been pretty blunt when talking about Logan this year. I mean, what was the comment that he had that he basically that he needs to be better. And he's saying that while, you know, there's, there's a lot of statistical things that look good for him, but they still don't trust him uh, to play against good players. Yeah. They still, they, they're, they're, he's still getting over 60% zone starts. He's still getting sheltered. He doesn't kill he's, penalties. Yeah. Like yeah. Simon Benoit is, passed him on the penalty killing depth chart. Like they're using Simon Benoit in like their second pair. Like in that Dallas game, Lilgren played, I think 13, 38 Benoit played almost 23 minutes. Like, and, and in his defense, Benoit has been very good. Like he's been way better than I expected. For what he is for sure. But like, if it, it's great for Simon Benoit that he plays 23 minutes, it's not, it's not really great look for your team. And, but I mean, to answer your question, I, it, I don't know what Logren's future is in the organization at this point. You know, I haven't heard from other teams saying that he's being offered around or anything like that, but would it completely stun me if they're, they're getting really aggressive, like you're talking about and trying to trade for a really good player and he's part of the conversation that would not stun me at this point. Well, doesn't it feel very similar to like Dermot and Sandine where it's like, what is this guy like i mean like even like offensively like you you think you're gonna get a lot like he's got two goals nine points and 32 games i think he's ahead of dermot like i I think that like dermot never progressed beyond third pair limited minutes really but whereas logan's like logan's up to like over 19 minutes a game like he's getting pretty close to the 
point where you would say, yeah, he's a fourth defenseman on this team. He's kind of a four or five right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about right. Four or five. But it's like, I mean, like, look at these are those last five games for ice time. 13-38, And I think Logren's better defensively than both those guys, too, but... Yeah, but there's still like those plays where he's just like he's just not yeah. hard enough, or he just kind of spaces out in certain situations. Obviously, that that situation on the power play is the highlight of that kind of thing, and that's like that's a lot of things. It's not just him, but like he has been getting second power play time. It's not like anyway. It's it, it's it's an interesting time for him just because it is a contract year. They do have to decide like, do we like this guy? Do we want to pay this guy? Would we rather use this guy to to get someone else? Does he still have value? He is, I believe, only still 24. Yeah, he, he turns 25 in April, so he's still, like, young-ish, and he hasn't played a ton of games. So, anyway, let's take a break. Uh, we got a bunch of questions to get to uh, and more to talk about. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James, uh, we should leave a lot of time for questions. So briefly, let's talk a little bit about Sheldon Keefe, just because it's been kind of an interesting little stretch and obviously an interesting couple months, just with some of the pressures on the team and some no more Mr. Nice coach. Is that where you're, where you're going with this? Yeah. I mean, he's uh, like, I, I don't have a problem with any of the buttons that he's pressed, um, the latest, obviously, is is I, like he's answering a question. Like, he, obviously, he said it's Pee Wee stuff, you know, to give up that goal after or at the end of a power play. Did you have any issue with that? Do you do you no. get the back? I don't know why that's. Be- yeah, I don't know why that. It's it, like talk radio, right? Is the people who are kind of picking that apart a little bit? I mean, that's we've heard him say that before. No, I don't think that's the first time he's ever said something like that. No. I mean, is it, I've seen lots of coaches say stuff like that. I mean, like, I don't know, Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle. And I mean, remember uh, Rick Bonus at the end of last year in Winnipeg just like took a torch to the team and right. obviously come back and since been one of the better teams in the league. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I find the narrative or the conversation around Sheldon Keefe to be confusing sometimes because it seems like right now, for sure, it seems like people. People want to get rid of him because they want to bring in a hard-ass coach to yell at the team, but then they're critical of Keefe when he's critical above the team. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I know what people want from the coach right now. I think that the only reason you change the coach is if you can't make the trade you want, and that's just one of the things that you have at your arsenal to do. I don't think you necessarily... Like, I don't... I just... I just I mean, some of this has to be on the coaching staff because the penalty kill is taking a step back and and stuff like that. But also, like you said, you look at the roster and it's like, yeah, this is pretty much what this team is. Well, I was talking to to our guy, Mark Masters, friend of the show, friend of the pod, our number one guest, I think, or number one or number two with CJ rankings. Um, And we were like, well, like if you wanted to change the defense, like let's say you just wanted to change the pairs, what would you do? And it's like, I don't know that you, there's anything you can do. I mean, I guess you could move Jake McCabe up to play with Riley. Does that, does that work? Do you want to play those guys against top lines? Like, do you want to play then TJ Brody with who? Lilligren, Benoit? And then it's like you look at the forward group, James, and you're like, well, maybe they could, you know, Matthew Nyes is, is probably over in, in over his head right now. Maybe there's, maybe you should make a change there. Okay. Well, it's like, who do you put there? Like, Bertuzzi has one goal in 29 games. 
do you play Max Domi there, who lasted three games on the second line before that they decided, yeah, that's not going to work. Do you want to play Max I mean, Domi against like other teams' top lines? Like, I think I think about putting Yarncroc there when, he, but he's out right now. So but he's a, out, and it's like, yeah. and then if you don't play, let's say you put Yarncroc there, then your third line is like Domi, Nyes, and Robertson. Like, can you play those guys and feel okay? Like, they just, it's just hard to make these puzzle pieces work, and that's why, like, you you brought up a center and uh, Elliot Friedman reported that the Leafs are now looking for a center. This is not new to anyone who listens to the show. We've been saying they need a center for a long time, but even if you got a center, it would just like, like I mentioned Adam Henrique in my story. Like even if you just had a Henrique in the middle of that third line and suddenly he's playing between like Domi and Yarncrock, that line kind of makes some sense. Like that's a line like that maybe can score a bit. You don't, you're not terrified of putting that line on the ice. Henrique has like 15 goals, I think this year. Like even just one they, move like that could help them. They've needed a center basically since Kadri was traded, right? Like that that third line center spot has been You're right, yeah. Like Kerf, they just Kerfoot was supposed to be that and like it just never worked. Right. So other than getting Ryan O'Reilly, I mean that that's like the only blip since they and what year did they trade Kadri? Twenty eighteen? It's been a twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's five almost five years ago. So. It's hard. It's hard to have three good centers on an NHL team right now. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are struggling with that. And that's going to be the tough thing at the deadline is that the things that the Leafs need are going to be the things that the contenders are all going to want. They're going to want center depth. They're going to want defense, you know, top four defensemen. And there's just, there's not a lot out there. Yeah. Pierre Lebrun wrote about this for the athletic. And he just mentioned like now that Lindholm is off the board, all the different teams that are looking for centers. And it's like, Oh my God. And you're the Leafs. Like you do you, again, like we mentioned this before, like you don't have a ton to trade and it's like, well, Hmm. I mean, I, I wonder like if you have to, if you're there front office, like, do you have to re-explore this? Like we're not trading Minton. We're not trading Cowan. Like, do you, do you even, I mean, do you completely rule out trading Matthew Nyes? Like, do you just say, no, we're not doing that. He's young. He's like, he's got like a promising skill set. Like, is he completely off the board? Is there a trade that you would consider trading him? Like, well, I think it's got to be like a difference making player. Like, I don't think you're trading your you're not, you're best for talent for, for third line centers. And, you know, yeah, I think probably the answer for them, unless there's some blockbuster that we don't, don't see coming is, is going to be, <laughs> it's like Breaking Bad, it, it half measures, right? Like, I, I think that they're think probably going to end. man. Yeah. Don't right. you? Like, if, if, if they just go and trade for, like, Nick Sealer, like, what is that doing? Like, it, yes, it helps a little, but, like, how much better is Nick Sealer? Like, I've watched him a, a fair bit recently, but, like, he's not, like, so much better than Benoit, for example. Like, he doesn't really, you know what I mean? Like, if you're doing that stuff, like, I don't know how much that's really doing, but maybe if I don't know, maybe if you make three moves like that, that can add up enough to to just make your team incrementally better than it is. And maybe I don't know. Maybe that's I, all I just have do. this feeling that they're they're going to be precious about their assets, and it's a difficult market to make trades in. And they might just end up, you know, adding a, a third line forward and a second pair defenseman, and hoping that it's enough. And hoping that, you know, rolling the dice in the playoffs that the, the stars are going to show up in a bigger way than they have in the past. Yeah, which is essentially the bet that they've made again and again and again. And like one time, like it should, in theory, it should happen, right? Like there should be a playoffs like Matthews has one like McDavid and Dreisaitl have had where it's just like they have a million goals, they have a million points, they dominate. Like at some point you think that's going to happen. Like it, it it's happened periodically, but not obviously enough, so... Anyway, you want to get to some questions? Yes, I do. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There are a lot of questions. Darren's question says, he's he's concerned with tree living, essentially. He says, uh, 
you know, with with what happened in the offseason, uh, Klingberg uh, bringing in Domi, um, the contracts that Camp and Reeves got, the Nylander negotiation. What does this say about his ability to improve this team at the deadline is basically what his question is. And, and is that a concern? I mean, I think that some of the misses on talent evaluation, they can't afford to have that happen again before the deadline. Like they, I think they, it's they're going to, they're going to you. Yeah. I mean, the concern for me is if like we, you're, we're saying like you're, you've said, you know, in the piece you wrote and, and what you're saying on the show is like, do you trust them to be aggressive in the right direction that they're going to, if you give up these big assets, if you trade a good young player and, and your first round pick, are they going to be traded for the right things? Yeah. And, and the more I've thought about it, James, like I, I do put it on Bradtree living, like some of the decisions that they made, like signing, like anybody who'd seen the last couple of years for John Klingberg knew that there was something not right there. And like, they signed him right away. Like that's, that's like, I put that on the GM as much as the president, but like to bring it back to Brendan Shanahan, like he hired a GM who didn't know his team like a month before free agency. Like, you know what I mean? Like imagine like you don't know the intricacies of what's been going on here. You don't know who plays well with who you don't know who fits where, like, and suddenly like the GM comes in and has to know, figure that all out yeah. on the fly. Came and, from like, the Western conference though, where Klingberg played his whole career. You know, no, but I guess I just mean with the roster. Like he doesn't know what this roster. Like he can only well, meet with players and talk to people. Like I he mean, I'm sure from the outside. I don't know. Like yeah. that's as much. On like Tree Living had to rely on you know Shanahan's take on the roster and what it needed. And um, you know, remember when Tree Living first came in and he was talking about they need we need snot and we need to be louder in the room and all that. Like that yeah. wasn't what they needed. No, it wasn't what they needed. And we I mean, they, I, I think needing some like playoff intensity and grit makes sense, but you're like Klingberg and Reeves aren't giving you that. Well, and again, like they had a lot of that stuff on last year's team, and obviously a lot of those guys ended up being free agents, but like they left, like they, it's like they didn't plan for who was going to kill penalties. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, you looked at the roster and it's like, who is supposed to be on the penalty kill? And like, even now, like I know you mentioned, like, it's on the coaching staff. They still don't know who to to play on the penalty kill, and obviously they're missing oh, camp right now. They're Matthews, Matthews, and Marner on that shift. That penalty kill they had there last night against Dallas was that, that was their. I tweeted that was their best penalty kill of the year. Like they were all over them. Yeah, maybe they should just play offensive players. Get get Neilander out there. Use well, they are. I mean, Neilander is on their number one penalty kill. Um, but he looks like, good. I, like, yeah, I, I would say James. Like one thing with with tree living in Calgary is one for whatever reason or however they they did build really good defense groups there you obviously look at the defense group now like the team as a whole is oddly like there's some odd contracts that don't really work but they did build good decors and like some of the trades he made were pretty good like they were there were some blockbusters that didn't work some that did work so i don't know we'll see if he can replicate that now with more pressure on him like i think that's probably been an adjustment for him like this is not Calgary. Like you, you know what I mean? Like the attention on you is just a hundred times higher. Your mistakes are, you know, people will talk about them. Like, it's just, this is not Calgary bigger. Uh, our regular listener and question asker pony boy wants to know why are the special team such a mess this year? I mean, penalty kill is like a sum of what you're talking about. They don't have the personnel, but, the power play, the power play percentage is not that bad. But no, it's and a lot of, of the underlying really, stuff is like it's the same or better than last year, which is like hard to kind of fathom. On the power play. Yeah. I, I, I really maybe like I was thinking back to the summer, I maybe underrated what losing Carberry could do. Like he, he had that power play like humming. You know what's hilarious though is that Washington's power play is just god awful. Well, they don't have the personnel, right? He's the head coach there, so. Well, and, and honestly, James, I'm glad. Like that, I don't know why this reminded me of it, but like they really, I know we focus on like they need a defensive defenseman, like someone like Chris Tanev. They also need some defenders who can actually like move the puck. Like I was watching that game last night, and like the amount of times there was one rush where Matthews got the puck with speed coming through the neutral zone, he got like a, a nice breakout pass. You just don't see that a ton, where like the forwards are getting the puck. 
and they're not a good passing team, really. No, like they right. don't. You know, they're not. They're not a great transition team right now. That's the thing. Like that's one of the things. Like I know you mentioned Benoit. And he's been a nice surprise. He can't move the puck. Like he, it's just a real weakness of his. And that impacts, like, you You look at some of the numbers with this team, and you're like, why are, like, why is, like, I was looking at Matthews and Riley, like, why are Matthews and Riley, why are their numbers worse this year? And it's like, well, the team itself, like, just doesn't do the things it used to do really well. Like, they used to be pretty good at moving the puck. Anyway. Uh, Jim has a question. He wants to hear our take on the situation between Tavares and the Canadian Revenue Agency. Did you see this story? I did. I don't have any... I'm not smart enough. Basically, it's a yeah, it's a tax, it's a tax situation where the Canadian government is looking to claw back more taxes off of the signing bonus that Tavares had, and it looks like what's at issue is the first year signing bonus that he had. I don't know, I don't know if this extends to every year or not, um, but it's interesting because more and more players, especially star players in the NHL, are getting the huge percentage of their contract in bonuses like Marner and, and and Matthews did it. And apparently there's provisions where maybe those bonuses are treated differently than salary. So this could be, it could be something that if, if challenge, if the CRA wins the challenge that it could have implications for the way Canadian players contracts are taxed in the future, basically. Mm, Interesting. So it might be even harder for Canadian teams to, you know, and the Tavares side, the argument that they made is that that bonus, I think it was, I want to say it was, was it 16 million that first year? And they're arguing that that bonus should only be taxed at a 15% because of some special rule that pertains to bonuses for performers, musicians, athletes, and stuff like that. Well, let me ask you this. This is like only mildly related. I guess it's sort of related. Do you think that the NHL should come up with a system where you account for the tax situation or is that too complicated you can't like i don't know how you would do that i don't think that i don't know i just i just don't see a way that they would be able to do that but it potentially i don't know it potentially does hurt the canadian teams i think well yeah especially when like you're dealing with some states where it's like no tax well, and or that's re- like, or really, it's, really it's come up with the leaf front office where they like some of the thought is like, well, Tampa can like Tampa can sign whoever to X and like we sign our player to Y and it's like, it's not the same thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that there's a way for the leaked. I mean, the way to do it would be to allow to have some sort of luxury tax or like allow teams like the Leafs who, who are revenue juggernauts to spend more than they're allowed to spend right now oh man a lot of the questions are very angry i think a lot of them came in before the game and uh before they come back or during the game when they were playing poorly probably james wants to know uh he says it was reported last was unhappy with babcock being fired given there was so much term left on his contract Sheldon keith has two years left after this season with the extension that he got do you think that that works against the decision to fire him should it arise I think yes, but I also think that the front office made a pretty big endorsement of Keefe when they could have made the decision to to not do that, do a shorter extension, or not extend him at all. So I don't know. Like for them to backtrack on that, I think it's much more difficult like five months into the season. Yeah, and it was a two year extension too. Like they could have yeah. just done one year. I mean, they could have done no years. They could have just said, you know what? Like I'm a new GM. I mean, she. Tree Living could have said, I'm a new GM. I don't know this team. I want to see what happens. We'll play it out. It like one of the things I thought at the time when they made that extension, it's like, well, you're you're not really taking away the coach insecurity thing. Like I know I, I think you think you are, but you're not, you know? Like I think there the idea was, well, now no one's gonna talk about it. It's like, well, no, like that's still gonna be a thing. Like you can't really remove it. Um the other thing I wonder too, Jonas, is like, would ownership, if they, if they do allow them to fire Keith, will they allow them to bring in an expensive big name coach on a long contract? Like, let's say they want Craig Berube and Berube wants four plus million a year for four or five years, which is the going rate for a lot of the top coaches right now. 
are they going to get the green light to do that? Or are they going to say to them, no, you have to promote one of your assistants for the rest of the year and then we'll decide in the off season. Well, because I, like, I think that seems likelier because like if I'm above those people, like I'm above the Toronto front office. So let's say I'm Keith Pelly coming in. It's like, do I know if I'm sticking with this management team, like beyond this year, I probably wouldn't know. Right. Like, how could I know? Like, how could I then allow them to hire someone on a five-year contract? Also, James, like there's, 30 ish games left in the season. Like you're not, you're, you're going to fire the coach now. I don't think they're going, I don't think they're going to, I mean, there's been all the, all the, I remember all this talk happened at the beginning of last year. And I, it, it was, it's mostly just talk. It's mostly just like the team isn't, doesn't look great. And that's one of the things that's going to get talked about when the team doesn't look great. Uh, (laughs) Zach's question in all caps is, is, are we good? <laughs> I think he means. I think he means the Leafs. I don't think he means like. I mean, you and you and I are good, right? Yeah. Are we good? good. Didn't you have that? Didn't you write a column last month that said, "Is yeah. are the Maple Leafs any good or something like that?" That was uh, during that ten one and four streak. I think is what the number was. Remember, right. and like there was all this. This team is really good, and it's like, well, are they? And it turned out they were not as good as that record suggested, as I thought. Uh, Jeff wants to know, uh, we're not very far behind Florida in the standings. They're not that far behind the Leafs in terms of the percentage of goals that are coming from the top players on their team. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says there are no doubt many reasons to be disappointed when you compare expectations with results for the Leafs this year. But if you compare them to other teams, uh, is the situation perhaps a little less dire? Now, I, I mean, I would counter like, okay, so Florida's almost as top heavy as the Leafs. What is Florida paying their top four scorers? Kachuk, Barkov, Reinhardt. I, who's number four for them? Is it Bennett? Uh, Verhage, maybe? Oh, right. right. The number's going to be way less. So they're dedicating way less of their salary to, I mean. It, well, they're so, also paying 10 and a half to their goalie. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right. Verhage. Good call. Yeah, Barkov's only got 11 goals. Sam Bennett is tied with Barkov with 11 goals. Well, and Reinhardt has a million goals, and he's not making very much. Right. I, I do think, though, that it's a bit overblown. You can't win with a top-heavy roster because, like, other teams have done it. It just hasn't always been four forwards. So I get, I don't know if the, you know, other teams have spent a lot of money on their top four players. Like, if you look, I mean, like, Pittsburgh had teams that won Mm-hmm. And they they were dedicating fifty odd percent to four players, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what was the common don- denominator for those teams? Their their stars were awesome, and that's like what hasn't happened yeah. totally here. Like, yeah. if you're going to pay those guys, like you pointed out earlier, like that's what you're paying them for. They have to be awesome, and like they have to win them series. Like they yes. have to. Matthews has to be a seventy goal scorer in the playoffs. Neilander yes. has to be a hundred point and and Marner both have to be hundred point players in the playoffs. Like they both have to, they all have to elevate in the playoffs and that hasn't happened. Yeah. But like, uh, like I was asking some people the last couple of weeks, like let's say they played Florida. If you were picking the series, like what would you pick? And they're like, well, probably the Panthers in six or seven games. And it's like, well, if that's the case, like how can you then say this team, like there's no point in investing in this team? Because like, if you're saying basically they're a coin flip to beat, Florida in the first round, then like who knows what happens after that? Like with the top end talent on the team, I like I just don't think again, like there's any team in the East that you look at and you're like, well, they can't beat that team. That team is so much better than them. They're not. Uh Nicole's got a, a good question. Uh she asks, um, do you think the top heavy roster construction in terms of money and ice time and on ice contributions and uh designer game day outfits, she includes on that list. Uh, and the revolving door of other players has created a terrible team culture of haves and have nots. I might think so. Although last year when Luke Shen came in, he raved about the culture around the team. Um, I think this is the NHL now, and this is kind of pro sports too. Like imagine, like look at how pronounced it is in some other sports. Like look at the NBA, like look at what the top players are making there. It's that they're playing with. And it's just like the disparity is huge. And, What's happened with the flat cap the last four years is it's just it's expanding that disparity and the middle class is getting hauled out a little bit. And you get players who are coming in on PTOs or who are, are signing league minimum deals, and more and more of the roster is making a million or less. 
And that's by necessity because the star salaries weren't going to go down. Mm-hmm. They were only, they were only going to trend up. That money has to come from somewhere. So it, it's happening across the league. It's not just the Leafs. It's just the Leafs are probably the most extreme example of it with, with you know, four players lined up next year to be in the top, what is it, 10 or 11 contracts in the league. Mm-hmm. Well, and it means like we pointed out, like you, you can't screw up the medium stuff and then you can't, like you need to be able to find some bargains. And it's like, look at this roster right now. Like who would you say is greatly outplaying their contract? Simon Benoit. Right? Like he might be the only one. Like even like the depth guys who you're not Martin paying that much. Like, like you're not, like Noah Gregor's making 775. That's that's like about what, like he has five goals or like, you know what I mean? Like he's not been amazing like they're paying ryan reeves obviously one three five like david camp has four goals he's making two four you know what i mean like you need to be able to hit like you look back to the last couple years and that bunting contract he had 23 goals and like 60 points in back-to-back seasons making 950 like that that's what you need it's hard but like that's what you need uh dylan wants to know what would it realistically cost to acquire both tanev and hannafin in a trade Interesting question. Yeah, I've been thinking about that because I mean, their first round pick, a prospect, and probably like someone from the roster who's nice. a young player, right? That's what I would ask for if I was Calgary. I mean, I, I guess the counter to that, Jonas, is that they're both pending UFAs, and how can you give up that? To, well, you'd probably have to be deciding to sign one or both, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have a, a good handle. I, I sort of know where Hannafin's contract's going to come in. I have no idea what Tanev would want on the next contract. Well, and it seems like one of the things with Hannafin is like they're still trying to see if they can sign him. And then if they yes. don't sign him, then they obviously are going to trade him. Yes. And that's going to get decided relatively soon, whether they're they're going to be able to get that done or not. I mean, if you're Hannafin, you're probably looking and they're like, well, Lindholm's gone. You know, Kachuk's gone. But the problem you is know, like Calgary's in like this weird place where they have a bunch of other guys who are signed like forever. Like Huberto yeah. is signed forever. Kadri is signed forever. Rieger is signed forever. They still have a good goalie. Like Markstrom's had a really good year this year. It's yeah, but like, he's they're, they're in a tough spot. Like, what do you do? Like, you know, I get like, they're saying like, we don't want to lose another player like Goudreau and not get anything back, but they, Calgary has been kind of in that middle zone for a long time. And it looks like they're going to be there for a while longer. Anyway, I don't know. We didn't answer Dylan's question exactly, but it's. I, I think Hannafin, if he ends up getting traded, is for sure going to be a first-round pick plus something else. I mean, he would be by far the best defenseman available right now, right? Hannafin? Yeah. Yeah, best overall defenseman, I guess. Like, I'm trying to think of some of the other names who could be actually have a list. Uh, who else would be? Yeah, in the there? other thing, too, is the Leafs tried to do a trade with Calgary earlier in the season that was going to be Tanev and Zadorov, and they couldn't make it work. So it would be even more complicated to to have it be a Hannafin and a Tanev trade. I mean, what if uh, I, Chikrin became available somehow? Better? No, right? I mean, I like I, I like Chikrin. I mean, he's, he's young. Um, He's he's been really good offensively in Ottawa. That one's just like Ottawa's running into some cap issues and they don't know if they're gonna be able to get him signed. And I don't think that they want to trade him because they don't like the player. What about uh our guy Mark Mike Matheson in Montreal? I like it. I mean, he's been every time you watch Montreal, like I I remember watching him come in really early in the season and being like, Wow, like he's playing great. He's playing huge minutes. That's um, part of it. He would he would definitely enter and his contract's really reasonable too. Would his cap hits what like four something right? It's like four point eight seven five for the next two years after this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the kind of and man maybe kind of play maybe, right. Maybe you can even get Montreal to retain a little bit. I don't I don't know what Montreal's play is though. I mean they've been bad for so long now. Like at some point they've got to try and start to get better. You but just have to entice them to to right to do it right. He right. plays so much for them. Like they need that. So I I really like that as a potential idea. You know, if you can get someone that is it like Hannafin's gonna be expensive and you're gonna be paying for the years on the backside that aren't gonna be as good. And I don't know if he wants to be here and he's a left shot. You know, he's not, not gonna play with Riley, et cetera. There's a bunch of reasons with Hannafin where it's not the perfect fit, but I don't know if the Leafs are gonna be able to find a perfect fit here. Yeah. 
I mean, Tanev is the like a perfect fit for today, but like not necessarily beyond that. And even today, like there's a like the injury risk is is high. So James says, uh, both of you have made it clear you think the biggest problem with the Leafs is the roster construction. But how do we know that a new coach wouldn't be able to get more out of this roster? At what point would you change coaches, and who would you choose? <laughs> there's a lot of questions there. It's a fair I question. I was on the radio with uh, J.D. Bunkus earlier this week, and he said the Leafs should have considered Patrick Waugh. Oh, my God. Just as someone who could come into the dressing room and command a lot of, have a real presence and be able to, I mean, it would, certainly would be different. Certainly would be a different voice if you had someone like that come in. I, did, I can't imagine Patrick Waugh would want to coach in Toronto. That, like, imagine being a, you're a Montreal legend, and then you came and coached here. That would just be, think of how weird that would be. What is this based on? Like, look at his three years in in Colorado. Well, that's ten years ago, though. I know they weren't as, they weren't what they are now, but it's like they lost in round one. They missed the playoffs twice. Like, no, but I I like I think Patrick Waugh has. I think he's a better coach than he was ten years ago. I mean, we'll see what he does with the Islanders. He's coaching in yeah. in the queue. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess like we, we we touched on a little bit before, but like I don't know what a new coach is going to be able to do with the roster. Like Sheldon Keefe is getting about as much out of his star players as you can possibly get, right? Like that's that's part of his job. I don't know that the some of the other guys that they have, like I don't know what more there is to pull. Like what more can you do with Tyler Bertuzzi, right? Like they haven't really taken him out of the top six except for like a few games. Well, do you think like a coach coming in with like a big stick and like yelling and like benching people and like being really aggressive and trying? I mean, I like I like that stuff as like a narrative. I I don't know what the, like does that does that actually work? Does that do anything? Is it just noise? Fans are mad at the team and just want someone to come in and <laughs> yell at them the way that they're yelling at their TV a little bit. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, but like if, if there was a there was a reason to change the coach, it would have been after the playoffs last year where like the same thing happened again and a lot of the same issues happened. And, you know, Sheldon Keefe had issues at times in the playoffs like he had in the past. Like if you were going to change the coach, that was the time to change the coach. They yeah. obviously had tons of organizational chaos. I thought they were going to. I mean, if you go listen to our show, it was like when Dubas got fired, it's like, well, I don't think Keefe's coming back. Well, and who knows what would have happened if Dubas stayed. Like, I, I don't think it's un impossible that if he had stayed like he might have changed the coach himself i don't know yeah it's really interesting that it's almost like the dubis thing happened and then they were like no we got to keep everything else the same because this is you know like it's such a huge pivot point for the organization like it it, it's almost underrated how big of a deal like it's not underrated because people know it was a big story obviously but billy wants to know about uh on the power play, why are they dropping the puck back all the time? Uh, you know, he says the first unit has three elite puck handlers that can carry it in. Um, at least the coaches finally saw the futility in giving it to Tavares on the sideboards. And now they give it to a winger on the boards at center ice. What do you make of, of like, do you think part of the power play is, is entries? Cause it does feel like the, it doesn't feel like they're spending as much time in zone as what we've seen in past years. You don't think so? I don't like all the numbers would suggest they are. I don't like. I don't see that being as huge an issue. It's more in zone to me that it seems to be an okay. issue. I thought they were like that. That Dallas game was really instructive for me. They were just really direct. Like th- there was no fucking around. It was like Bing Bang done. Oh, now we're gonna get that explicit little e oh, next yeah. to the episode on Spotify. I now mean, my kids, my kids can't listen to this this episode. They <laughs> they, don't, they love to listen, and now they can't because Uncle Jonas uh, went off. <laughs> It just hasn't felt the same as it did in, in prior years. Like I always, I, I like the word unpredictable for their power play in the previous two years, and it doesn't feel as unpredictable as it used to. And like, I don't know. But like, if they can kind of bottle up what they did against Dallas and keep that moving forward, that would help. All right, two more for you. Uh, DJ says, which of the Leafs free agents coming up this summer would you re-sign? Of their free agents. Yeah. Today? Uh I'm just bringing up the list here. I can go down through the list. Let's do rapid fire here. Uh, Bertuzzi, would you resign him? No. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any chance he's coming back. I, he wants like a big payday, right? I don't know how he's going to get it after this season. Uh, Max Domi, would you resign him? Nope. Bobby McMahon is a UFA. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, TJ Brody. Maybe. 
Mark Giordano. Nope. <laughs> 40 years old. William Legison, you resign him? Nope. Ilya Samsonov, that'll be an interesting one. TBD. It, it's going to depend right yeah, now. On no, the, how the rest of the year goes. Uh, John Klingberg. Uh, nope. We wish him well in his recovery. Uh, and then there's the RFAs. The RFAs are. You forgot Martin Jones. Yeah. Well, did I? That's did I name. forget him, Jonas? <laughs> you think you'd bring Martin Jones back? Really? Maybe as like a three again. I don't know. Oh, if he wanted to be a three, then yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't forget him. I saw him and I was like, meh. Uh, RFAs are Nick Robertson, Noah Gregor, Timothy Logren, and Simon Benoit. Robertson, yeah. Yeah, I would bring, bring, you bring back Robertson and Benoit on cheap contracts. I wonder if Benoit's going to, if they're going to be playing him 23 minutes a game, I mean, I think he's got arbitration rights, right? Like he he could just he, he might get a contract that they don't want to pay. Yeah, I mean, as there's not for, a lot of offense there. So as for Lilligren, that's like that's a TBD. I don't know, but I again, I don't think he's going to get a lot of money in as an RFA. Lilligren, yeah, oh, Benoit, yeah, you're. I don't right. think Lilligren's got the case. He doesn't have a lot of points. He's been playing mostly on the third pair. Like I don't see a big contract coming there. Robertson's not going to get a lot of money. Noah Gregor, I think. I think he's played his way almost out of the lineup now. Like he's just all all of like the underlying numbers for him are, have been brutal lately. All right, I got one last one for you. Ready? Got it. Uh, Curtis wants to know what are the top three foods to serve at a Super Bowl party. Great question. Do you even watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll watch it. My um, my beer league team plays Sundays, so I have a game. I'm playing at the Ford Performance Center. If anyone doesn't want to watch the Super Bowl and wants to watch uh, my team play, um, we will be playing at the same time as the Super Bowl at the Ford Performance Center. Um, but I think you know my game will be over before halftime, so I'm sure we're gonna we'll end up somewhere. We'll have it playing in the dressing room and on the bench, and then we'll go somewhere after the game. So. That's usually the one NFL game a year that I watch. Top three foods, I would say nachos, chicken wings, pizza with like a dark horse for sliders. What about you? Those are, yeah. I want to come to your party. Yeah. I want I want lots of guacamole involved. So like if you're doing nachos, you've got to be the guacamole. A hundred percent. All right. Well, James, uh, uh, you, the, you one more? he had a second part of the question. He just, he wants to know your prediction for the big game. I got the me. Chiefs. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, so he doesn't want my prediction. I like the Chiefs. All right. So Taylor Swift's going to win the Super Bowl. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. And if you really want to get crazy, the, the odds for Travis Kelsey to be Super Bowl MVP are pretty good if you think that's going to happen. Though he probably won't be MVP. Uh, he's a he's a tight end, right? Is that right? He is very good, James. Yeah, he's yeah, really probably good. if not the best tight end ever. He's top two or three. What's a tight end do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. We will be back uh, next week. I believe we'll probably do Wednesday after they play the Blues. Uh, Get a new, get a subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months when you go to theathletic.com slash sleep report. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks to Punch. Thanks to you, James. Any parting thoughts? I I have none. Uh, Go football. Go football. See you, James.